Blog Talk Radio. problem here. Leadership isn't what you do when you know what to do. It's about jumping in. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It is. Maureen, (laughs) go. Okay. (laughs) Today's guest is Shally, an animal is not here, so. Okay. Shally's here, right? What happened? Kathy's here. I'm here. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Shally, are you here? I'm here. Apparently you're leading the call now, Maureen. There you go. Hi, Shelly. What's up? Hey, Shelly. I wonder what happened to Animal. Um, when we were talking before the show, Jerry, I, I thought maybe Animal had us on mute because he wasn't coming in. So I thought he was had us on, turn the blast down on us because he didn't want us talking. Yeah. Well, is he here or did he disappear? We don't know. I do they have do they do wellness checks in Canada? Like they I, think get, like they my, I think he slipped on my tweet and fell, and now he can't get up. Yeah. Okay, I'm trying to raise him on on um, oh on goodness. the back channel. You're but talking anyway. about welfare checks, Jerry. Yes, we we need to send the uh, RCMP over to his door. I shouldn't be joking. He could be hurt. He could be hurt right now. Hmm. 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 Well, well, well. Well, today's guest is Shally, a man who needs little introduction. But Shally, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself before we uh, before we get the ball rolling here? Shally Steckerel oh, from Atlanta, Georgia, <laughs> joining us Maureen. today. I hate this part. Oh, <laughs> my me. good friend. Oh my. Our good friend. Okay, you introduce the sourcing me, community. Come on, you I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you can do it. Shelly Steckroll, the father of sourcing. The grandfather, the ultimate, the original. That's right. <laughs> he, oh, the, man. the grandfather of sourcing as a as a collective art. I mean, people have been sourcing for hundreds of years. Science. Shelly, would well, you call you know sourcing that's an art a or a point, science? Right? So, um. That's a good point. So, you know, back in the back in the day when when I started doing this 20 years ago, the reason I called it sourcing and there wasn't a lot of other names for it because it was part of recruiting like you said. I mean, you know, people have been recruiting for thousands of years. Sourcing has always been a part of recruiting, but as a specialty, as a as a standalone function where you do you do sourcing but not recruiting and, you know, to me, sorcerers are first. They're a recruiter, then they specialize in sourcing. So I, I, we have to give a name to it. And I, I originally tried to call it cyber sleuthing, but that didn't. Really I remember stay. that. It, so you know, eventually we arrived at this sourcing thing because it's a lot like 
in, in um, industrial processes, when you need material to make your product, you, you source it. So it's part of the supply chain, part of procurement. And so it was a good word to borrow from an industry that mm. already used something similar, and, and that's kind of how it came about. So you're right. Sourcing has been around for a long time. The discipline as an individual contributor um, has not been around for a long time. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. Where are you, Ben? This goddamn thing isn't working for me. <laughs> Maureen, I hope we get hazard pay because we could have been killed there. <laughs> we could have been killed. Going on. And I called back in, and they said the host is already in. You can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you like it? We're doing. I don't fine. like it at all. I yeah, don't like exactly. it at all. I don't like it at all. Should should I? Should I start no. the show from the beginning? Uh, and did you have something you wanted to say? Because we're doing just fine. But yeah. you have an intro for Shelly? No. No, no. No. It, okay, I'm, I don't care what you're talking about. I'm going to start talking. <laughs> Shelly. Shelly. Yeah. Listen do you to cover, him. Do you cover your webcam? That what? Do you cover your webcam? Your I'm covering webcam. mine right now. No, I'm not taking this chance. No, Why I not? don't cover. Why not? Because it's, because it's not attached to the laptop. Okay. Do you use? Look, I'm, these are the warm-up questions. Do you use a quiet keyboard? Yes. How, how much do you pay for it? About eighty bucks. <laughs> that's right. What brand? What brand? Oh my. Um, wow. That that is. Uh, it doesn't have a logo on it. Oh, or your webcam? You must have bought it in Singapore or someplace like that. Okay, your quiet keyboard. Okay, Maureen told me about them years ago. I bought some garbage one, plastic, and now finally today I found out about it. They cost 180 bucks. Well, back then they, they cost about 90 bucks, didn't they? Okay, mm-hmm. you guys are in the... That's South only one placement animal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, next question. Shally. You're gonna you're gonna get slaughtered on on some of these coming here, Ooh. okay? You awesome. like cold calls versus email. You said I'm quoting you. There was a time in my career when I relied on email far too much. You were like an addict, right? But yep. then you integrated. You always use odd words. I integrated phone <laughs> calls and got better results. Not I started picking up the phone. I integrated. I integrated <laughs> phone calls and got much better results. You want to talk about that a bit? Well, I've been picking up the phone for years, Animal. Uh, it wasn't. Uh... No, you said you weren't. I just <laughs> quoted you. Don't say otherwise. I'm, I'm integra- when I when I mean by integrating. Did I, shall I, did I, I rub off on you? I did started. I rub off you on what? You? Did I rub started? off on you? A little bit. A little bit. Uh, maybe. Um, a little bit. <laughs> Not it so means far. that in my workflow, I started, I added the call back into the workflow that I had taken out. So I was just doing email, and then the workflow would not, did not include initial outbound poll calls. And I started using that method again after a while because the emails weren't as effective anymore. So okay, it, I understood that. Back. Can you tell us why that's the point? Why should people use phone calls for cold calling? Instead of emails, because Jerry switched from cold calls to emails. Jerry it's switched. Not, it's not you know, but Can it's I add something too. here? Why, I use whatever I need, is. man. Exactly. I've heard you say many times here God. that you're the email guy. Now, Jerry, 
No, I just Everybody not, likes it, covering their asses. They say one thing, no, and then man, the next you, week they deny it. Dude, you'd, you'd be great covering these politicians. In 1967, isn't it true that you said X, Y, or Z? <laughs> Look, dude, I use the email. I use the phone. I... Yeah, okay. You well, know, shall well we... that's really an objective question, but I think what Shally does stupid question. is more um, precise, almost like an algorithm or a mathematical equation. Oh, uh, uh, don't make it worse, Kathy. Don't that. make it worse. Don't make it worse. And I got a message for you, well, Kathy. I don't care if your husband doesn't like my voice on the show. Tell him to go out for a walk, okay? Went for a run. I gotta tell you, people. It depends on who you're trying to reach, too, and what the best way to reach. No, no, let Shelly talk, will ya? Let Shelly get a word in edgewise. I think he would say that if you would let him get a word in edgewise. These are the questions for the grandfather of cyber sleuthing and sourcing. You ask him. Does he know how to use a telephone? He's the godfather of sourcing. He's the godfather of sourcing. Now, look, look, Shelly. Why do you like phone calls better than emails? Just answer the question. It's not better. It's both. It's what Jerry said. It's it, that's why I said integrated because it's both. I'll usually start with an email and then follow up with a phone call, referencing the email. That's how I get higher response rates. Okay, so you don't get a response on the email. That's why you have to switch to the phone. Is that what you're telling us? I'm getting. I used to get about seventy, eighty percent response rates, and then I started. Declining, and um, when I, when I reintroduced cold calling, I'd gone down to about thirty percent response rate. So out of a hundred people, thirty would reply to my email. Then I why added only thirty? Why did you call. have such a big drop? Did you lose your look or something of, like that? Say that again. Nothing. Uh, uh, why did you what have did such you a say? big drop? Well, Maureen, why did he have such a big drop from eighty percent or seventy percent down to thirty? What happened? Yeah, a couple of reasons. There, I, hold on. What, what period of time are we talking here? Uh, Ten years, years, five, two, one. Between the the change Three. from from eighty to thirty yeah. percent. Yeah, we're talking about ten years. Okay. Come on, animal. That's pretty oh. obvious. It wasn't it's working. Ob- yeah. I- no, so it's a combination hey, hey, of maybe, a lot maybe more someone noise. wants to let Shelly answer the question, okay? It's, it's a lot more noise, and people are uh, getting flooded with other messages. And also, it's a deliverability thing. There, there's much more filtering going on at the server and at corporate. Um, for example, even, you know, even your, your typical small business nowadays uses Google Apps, which has a very sophisticated spam blocking. Um, and what's happening is your messages are simply not even getting there. They're being, they're being chopped up, undelivered, and they don't bounce or anything like that. So, you know, so a good portion of that is deliverability. A good portion of that is just the noise. And a good portion of that is that, you know, people are using other things, like, for example, text messaging. And they prefer that in many cases. How many people, what percentage of recruiters use text messaging as their first point of contact? That's not true, okay? What percentage? What's not, not true? true. Who would he even said know that, that? He said that lots of them have switched to text messaging. How much? People. 2%? How many? 2% on the first Animal, cold listen, contact? I'm talking about the people I'm trying to reach. Okay, Shelly so is not in recruiting, dude. He's in sourcing. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. But what, what I'm trying to say is the people that no, I'm trying not. to reach prefer texting 
Not all the time, but it's much more prevalent now. We're talking about the first first contact, Shally. Correct. Wake up. First contact, okay? Not the second contact? What percentage of recruiters or sourcers use texting as the point or method of first contact? Just give me a number, okay? I have no way of knowing that. I would say it's very, very small. Well, then why would you throw it out as a reason why your email is, is dropped? Next question, okay? I don't know why you would use email first when you say that you, you argue that phone calls are more personable and they let you learn from the people you speak to. You make email sound like a, an inferior method. So why would you rely on it at all? Because if I send out 100 emails and 30 people reply, I only need to make 70 phone calls. That just blew my mind. Hold on. Yeah, I have to think about it, too. Yeah. Okay. You you said something that never gets talked about. If you send 100 emails and 30 reply, uh, those 70, some of them, you said, never get delivered. Um, They get erased at the server, but they never bounce back. So a lot of people don't even know that those never even got delivered. That's right. They think they got delivered and were ignored. Actually, Uh they just got dumped at the server. Yeah. Right? Okay. But, Maureen, let me just get Shelly. I'm just curious about that. I understand what you're saying. I heard it, too. Okay? But he says also in his article, the time invested in phone calls, while they might, you know, let you, you reach less people on phone calls, you always result in higher caliber leads. So why is he going to send out a hundred emails first to get those thirty people. I mean, uh, if they're inferior, right? Those thirty people are probably inferior people. The low-hanging fruit, right? Why? Why, why would you say that? I because totally I read his article. That. I read what he said. Totally misinformed. Whoever said that? No, no, I, I totally disagree with that. The the thirty people that are replying are not inferior people at all. When I send out 100 messages and 30 people respond, the next step with those very 30 people is to get on the phone with them. But mm-hmm. when they respond, now I have an opportunity to set a time for a call. The mm-hmm. other 70, mm-hmm. I have to call them and catch them off guard and still have to probably set a time. It's not frequent that I call someone, a cold call, and they answer, and they have time for me right then and there. Most mm-hmm. often when they actually do pick up, Mm-hmm. They're they're going to say, can I call you back? Or you know, and I've, I end up setting up a time. Ultimately, mm-hmm. whether it's the email that they reply to or the okay. call that they reply to, you know what? You're too wordy. You're too wordy. You're too wordy. You lose me. Okay, just give short answers. Here's what you say in your article: Software you developers, software developers receive so many recruiting emails that a phone call comes as a relief. I've never heard that before. Will you stand by that or claim that you didn't write it? No, I, I bet he stands by it. I stand by Thank it. Thank you, Maureen. And thanks, Maureen. Well, you know, I asked Shelly, not you. Well, I, did, I stand by it. Does anybody else agree with that? We've always heard the opposite in every I other do. article. I do. Okay, Maureen, thank you. Thank you. He's, you know, you booked Shelly on the show, well, so you'll agree with whatever he says, okay? Of course. No. Well, can I pipe in and say why I agree with that? Yeah, go ahead. I believe there are so few people calling that very few people can stand by that statement. Sorry, Maureen. 
We just we just had the recruiter on the, the last week's show talking about his recruiters doing a hundred phone call days. There's still mm-hmm. plenty of those people out there pissing off a hundred people a day. Yeah. Okay. So you okay. multiply that by the masses. Trust me, the the phone is ringing. Okay, everybody. The I'll just close off. Ringing. If you read Shally's article, he says something different than he just said. Understand what he just said. Save some time. Send out a bunch of emails. Seems kind of slippery. Right? Yeah, he is slippery. He is slippery. He, he, he really says in the article that it's much more personable to make a phone call. And secondly, sure. you get to talk to the people that you're uh, communicating with. They don't just say no in an email. You get to ask them questions, and then you'll learn something about the market. Like why That's they're what Shally no. says. Okay? Yeah, and now, I Shally, still stand by that, of course. Yeah, okay, yeah. fine, Shally. Sure you do. Okay, now uh, the next <laughs> issue. The next issue. Recruiting is not sales. Shally, Listen, this is Shally, a hostile environment. Shally, Shally's telling people, you are not recruiters and sourcers. You are not a telemarketer. You're not, don't feel bad about trying to sell something. You're not trying to sell anything. You are a business person making a call to, to inform another business person about an opportunity. If that's not selling, I don't know what selling is, okay? What's wrong with selling? That's Shally. I never yeah, said Shally. there was What's something wrong, wrong with it. I don't think he... Shelly, you're not I didn't say there's anything wrong with it. Yeah, you said that these sources feel like they're telemarketers. That's what they're telling you. Oh, but Shelly, I don't want to be a telemarketer. And you say, don't worry, honey. You're not. You're not a telemarketer because you're, you know why? You're not trying to sell anything. And that's not true. Sources and recruiters are selling. They're letting you say, oh, it's just informing. Well, informing about an opportunity is sales, isn't it? Nope. You have to change the mindset. Mm. How about letting Shally Shall say answer that? He finally gave no, a clear answer. No, it's Anybody want to take him up on that? I'll just let it stand. Maureen, did you wanted to add something? Go ahead. Uh, well, you have to change let the me mindset. Do you want to argue the fact that sales and marketing are different? How is it marketing? How is it not? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. You're selling opportunity. You're marketing. It's they're interchangeable. I don't understand what's so difficult. Animal, are you saying that informing is selling? Yeah. Okay. Let us go back to the old sales training, which is if you're selling, if you're telling, then you're not selling. Informing is telling. So telling isn't selling. You're not selling anything if you're disinforming. Throwing that caveat in there. What's selling? Asking questions? I don't know. Right, you're all you don't know. Neither do I. Okay. <laughs> now, Shally, Shally, let's move on to your current passions, okay? From what <laughs> I gather, and I did a bit of reading and I listened to the, your uh, recent interview, this is where your focus is now. You want to move recruiters away from post and pray on uh, general uh, job boards like Monster and get them to put their posting on niche boards and in Facebook groups and in LinkedIn groups so they don't get uh, deluged with uh, tons of irrelevant resumes. And I said, is he living in the past? Is this what's really going on in the world of corporate recruiting? You're still teaching people to uh, you know, target their audience a little more? <laughs> is, is that it? What's going on? 
it's not the only thing I'm teaching. I'm still teaching that, but I'm also still teaching people to pick up the phone. Hey, i got to tell you something. I listened to a half-hour interview with you. Fifteen minutes of it was this stuff, and the rest was how you and your wife get along working together, okay? So this is the only thing you talked about in the, as far as recruiting goes. In a 15-minute interview? 30-minute. And yet here we are still talking about it. Can we get past this and get to some substance here? Can okay. we take the trending wheels off? Ask a question, Jerry. Go ahead. No. Okay, well, I'll tell you something else, Shelly. I'm, I'm not the host. You want to give me a raise, I'll start manhandling this guy right now. He, he said, Shelly said there's a, a lot of recruiters. <laughs> he says there's a lot of recruiters who think they're successful when they're not, and there's a lot of recruiters who aren't even aware that they can improve. What, what, what do you base that on, Shelly? I like that question. Well, I base that on audits that I do. So part of what I do sometimes in, in a, with a client is take a look at productivity because they're usually bringing me in to help improve productivity. They feel like their people, their, their staff, aren't producing as much as they could be, and so they want to know what are they producing and how can we improve, right? So that's what I'm basing it on. Very frequently when I do intake interviews to talk to the, um, the, the recruiters in the organization, the ones that say that they are the best amongst the team typically have the lowest production numbers. And what's funny is that the other people that point to, when you ask a, a group of recruiters who's the best recruiter, the one they point to is also often the one that says that they're the best and typically end up being the one that, are, that have the least production. So You're kidding. Now, hold on a minute. Hold on. I, I think that's because the leaders give them the roughest searches. Hmm. That's possible. Well, that's true. I mean, at Deloitte, you could be successful placing 60 people a year and be considered just as successful placing three people a year, depending on the industry. So. Okay, but hold on. Shally also speaks to them then. I guess he gathers he'll interview this person and see if they really know stuff and they're just working on harder searches. What's the story there, Shally? We also do an objective assessment. It's a 30-minute online assessment that asks uh, a series of questions so we, we have an idea as to their level of knowledge and skill in addition to the 360-degree feedback that we're getting from them and from their peers Slippery. and their managers. Uh-huh. He's slipping on the animal. He's not answering no, the no, question. I, 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 no, let me just say, I, I didn't get to, I, to in, do any kind of introduction. I love Shally. I love Shally. Shally's the greatest. You're he's right, Gary. He is slippery on this show. Yeah. But we're getting him this time, okay? But he's the greatest. <laughs> he's the godfather of sourcing, in my opinion. All we got to do is pin him down. That's all mm -hmm. we got to do. So what he's saying now is, and it's, it's a bit surprising to me, that there's some kind of blowhards on every recruiting team who puff up their chest and think they know everything, and somehow they convince everybody else of the same when, in fact, uh, it's yeah. not true. It's not true. I've, I've uh, worked with those people, Animal. I've, I've been in the agencies where there's, there's always the one person who, if you would ask them, they personally made 38 placements last year. Mm -hmm. However, they really didn't. You know, if you add up what everybody thought that they did in a company, you'd have billings five times of the actual amount of invoices that were sent. Uh-huh. It's okay. very odd. So Shally also says, he says, look, here's a test. If you've got a job that's open for 160 days, that's five months, you're doing something wrong. 
can you give us an example of that, Shally? You know, it might just, like somebody just said, might just be a really hard job to fill. Well, it is, obviously, if it's open that long. But if, you're, if you've got positions that you're working on that are open for a really long time and you say that you have nothing to learn, then you're wrong. Really? Well, are you talking you about a, real, an internal like, recruiter or an agency recruiter? Who are we talking about? Well, I guess I would have to argue that an agency recruiter wouldn't put up with a five-month-long search. I mean, I guess in some cases, but right. typically, you know, Jerry, would you would you wait that long before you said, hey, this isn't going to work out? Probably not. Right. So, yeah, we're talking about in a, in a case where whether it's corporate or agency or retail, okay. where they can do that, where they have yeah, the yeah, yeah, Shally, Shally, Shally. Cut yes. it down. Give shorter, clearer answers, okay? Now, look, just tell me, uh, is there a real-life experience, or did you just pull this out of your head as an example? 160 days. Do you go, to, do you go into uh, clients and see they've got these jobs that are on the books for – they're open for five months, and, in fact, when you start looking closely, you see that the recruiters and the sourcers have been doing something wrong. Do you have a real story you can just say sure. no if you don't want to, okay? I got two. I got two right off the top of my head that come to Go mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. One was with a, uh, a brick-and-mortar company that was turning into an online company. But the brick-and-mortar side of the business, they had a position that was open that was one of four regional roles. This was the western region. The role was to do the discount pricing for items that stay on the shelf for an extended period of time. By discounting, they can move the product, which relieves the inventory so they can sell other things. The problem was, without filling this role, they had a backlog of inventory that wasn't moving because they didn't have any discounting. The recruiting team was not working on that role because it was very difficult to fill, and they didn't realize the level of importance. The role had been open for 18 months before we got involved. And when I spoke with the hiring manager... The hiring major said that they lose, um, in that entire region, an average of a few million dollars a month by not wow. discounting inventory. I hope some heads rolled after that. What happened? They did, but that's not the point of the story. So, yes, you want short answers? Yes. What happened was we then instituted a part of the process to help the recruiters understand the criticality of a wreck so they wouldn't ignore it for that long. But they were ignoring it because they didn't know how to handle it. They also didn't know how critical yeah, it was. Did you fill it for them? What happened? Yes, we filled it. How long did it take? Uh, three months. Oh, it still took three months. Yes. <laughs> how did you fill it? Why was it so hard? How did you fill it? Tell us the story. It's difficult because it was difficult because this person basically is a, a mathematics modeling expert, a statistician. And they work in a, in a retail environment. So it's kind of like category management. Anyone who's in retail knows what category management is, but it's a much more specialized, very rare. So the, the short answer is it's a very rare skill set that you don't typically find in people who do category management. Yeah, how did you find them? Come on, don't uh, make me choke you to get it out of you, so okay? We, we found the candidate through an association. Well, let me huh? ask you, wait, aren't no, these what did he say? I, Jerry talked over him. I didn't hear. What did he say? How did you find them? An association. We found an association 
for people that are in pricing and price modeling. Uh-huh. Why did that they take had a three months? Why did that take three months, even in your hands? What was going on? What did you do during those three months? Um, research and outbound contact, initial outreach. May I ask a question, Animal? Kathy, Kathy, I'll get to you. Uh, You're next. I just want to know why it took you three months to fill that job. Does anybody else think that's a long time? We presented the first candidate within two weeks. But then it took a while to get set up with interviews and go through the the whole approval process. So it just. Okay, and so these other dopes. The dopes who were working there already, they just gave up. That's why it was on the books for such a long time. Is that right? I don't want to speak for them, but I think so. Okay. Kathy Manis, you're up. Yeah, I just have a question, Shelley. Like, I understand what the position, I think, entails, but aren't those people also found, like, in supermarkets or in large chain, you know, uh, any store that does, deals with inventory where they have to move it? And not any store. So, so that's the problem is not any store. Most stores don't have this volume and this need. So okay. that, the I problem was ad. that we okay, found a lot of people that were – Go ahead, finish. We found a lot of people that were in that space but didn't have the discounting part of it. So they had the pricing and the category management in supermarkets and retail stores, but they didn't have the discounting. Okay, Kathy? Okay, I have to do an ad. Hi, everybody. Today for my first ad, I'm going to read you something special that someone wrote on my Facebook group. Now, we've all got Facebook groups here. Just, you know, give a break. Jerry's got uh, recruiters who always make placements. Uh, Maureen's got sorcerers unleashed. And I've got uh, recruiters online. And on my group, somebody said, hey, we use PC Recruiter, and you know what? We love it. We love it. I have demoed a ton of systems, and they have the most robust set of features at PC Recruiter. Other products do one or two things better, but overall, I think PC Recruiter has the most features. Look, we do multiple industries and four different types of of searches. I got to tell you, I don't know what that means, but we do four different types of searches and PC Recruiter, let me tell you, is very, very versatile. So this guy, his testimony is the same thing that Martin Snyder always tells me. He says other companies make good recruiting software, but PC Recruiter is versatile. It does everything. They don't care. Therefore, what kind of recruiting you're doing. You could be doing executive search, staffing, direct hiring, whatever it is, they make software that's good for you because if you're a recruiter, PC Recruiter loves you. Don't forget that. So go check them out at PCRecruiter.net. PCRecruiter.net. Tell them the recruiting animal sent you. Thank you. Shelly, back to you. Are you a generalist? It sounds like you can go into anybody's corporation and, you know, a category manager, whatever it is they're they're screwing up on, you can solve that problem for them. You still on the show? Am I still on the show? What's the, uh, you are. What's the question? Is am I, are you, I wasn't before. I yes. was hollering my head off before, and nobody was answering me, okay? I, I was freaking out. <laughs> Yes, I'm a generalist. I would 
So, so is is that a weakness? Because everybody else says it is. Um, not when it comes to sourcing. I think because my specialty is sourcing. Why sourcers like you? They always say, you know, if you're not if you're a niche player, you've got to, you know where everybody is already. It only takes you a short time to supply a candidate. With generalist has to start from scratch. Shally, it's to you. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I think my specialty is sourcing, and my job is to find the people for the role, no matter what the role is. I've worked on all kinds of different industries. I think what you're talking about is a recruiter that's a generalist. So they're doing everything. They're doing the sourcing and the recruiting for any industry. That no, no, no. That that's not what I mean. I mean a niche industry or a niche profession or a niche group of professions. That's what a niche player means. Generalist means you work on anything, which is what you do, okay? So if you were going to sell your services and Jerry was going to sell his, Jerry works with these IT contract guys all the time. He says, I can have somebody for you in two or three days. Shally says, can you explain One the job day. to me first? Yeah, Shally, I have to say, I'm a great sourcer, but you're going to have to t- teach me about the job for you know half an hour before before we hit the road. So, I mean, why would they choose uh, uh, a generalist over a niche player? That's I believe a generalist can do a great job, but I want you to tell me why, if you can. Why I think a generalist can do a great job? Yeah. Because if I am well-versed at identifying talent in any industry – and that's my specialty, then when I'm being brought in, it's because they're having a hard time finding people. Okay. There are a lot okay, of that's, other reasons why that's not why just a generalist. A job, that's a troubleshooter. That's a troubleshooter. Right. That's okay, my point. I'm a, I'm a troubleshooter, yeah. and I can okay. troubleshoot in any well, You're industry. not answering my question. You're answering a different question. Why am I good as a troubleshooter? And Okay, fine. I won't. Does anybody have a question for Shally? Um, come on. I, I, there's a lot of people Kathy here. Kathy Manis does. She has a question. Kathy Manis. How about somebody else before Kathy? Does anybody <laughs> else have a question? was next. <laughs> <laughs> does anybody else? I'll give Kathy a chance. Anybody, anybody other than Kathy. Anybody. Okay. Say that. Kathy have a Didn't say that. Anybody. You said she was next. She wants to know. She wants God, to know. anybody but her question. If Shelly sees a difference I, you know, in the uh, work process, I said she was next, and I let her ask the question about about you know the one that the question about all these retail stores. What's the question, Kathy? Go ahead. I guess What's she that? left. Am I still Maureen here? Can ask it. Maureen can ask it. She wants to know if Shelly sees a difference between the work processes between the new sourcers and recruiters. What? The work processes. Yeah, the, the okay. difference in the work processes with the new sourcers. I don't even know what that means. Go ahead, answer Shall it. Shall Yeah, I guess I need to know a little bit more about what a work process. What, what is a work process? Yeah, I don't pro- know either. Kathy doesn't want to talk. You know. I'll, 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 I'll tell you. I wanted to know. Pick up the phone. Don't talk on the speakerphone on this show, I okay? I can never Maureen hear you. Maureen and I were discussing this the other day. We were wondering if there was, I guess, work ethic. In between the new sourcers and recruiters coming in versus um, the the more seasoned group, who the old timers. Is, are the new people worse or better than they used the recruiters and sources used to be, Shally? What I've noticed is that they're more dependent on a single tool rather than um, you know more flexible. So the 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 generations before that have experienced ups and downs and and have learned to adapt. 
um, you know, they know not to rely on any single tool. Like one tool? You mean like LinkedIn? Like like LinkedIn, LinkedIn, for example. Yeah, so a a new generation recruiter that's come in that's only got two or three years' experience is relying almost exclusively on LinkedIn. And they would be. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Weren't those same people just relying on Monster before that? Same kind of thing. That's true. But the ones who were relying on one tool before and learned their lesson now don't do that as much anymore. Yeah, they don't learn a lesson. Okay. Look, uh, Shelly's got. Charlie's got the top ten interview questions for sources. I found them very interesting. I'm going to read them. You're going to give us the answers. Is that all right? Hmm. Okay, sure. Uh, is there some message that you want to deliver that you haven't had a chance to? You know, Come on, spill it out. For me? Yeah, I'd love to some... tell people about the Sourcing Foundation. Okay, go ahead. Um, so we have a, a nonprofit, 501c3 nation, where we provide scholarships to people that are interested in joining the recruiting and sourcing profession. And um, we help them, you know, get into the field. We, we provide them the means to, you know, to learn the business. Uh, we especially focus on military veterans and people with disabilities, blind and uh, deaf. And you'll teach them how to be sourcers or recruiters or sourcers? Correct. And, yes, how can and a deaf person jobs. be a source? Oh, I guess a deaf person could because they're not making phone calls, right? Well, they do. So there are quite a few uh, that have cochlear implants that actually operate very effectively when they're plugged into a phone. So they can talk on the phone much better than they can talk in person. That's what but Rush even the ones that has, don't have um, a, a cochlear implant, are, as you said, still have a good effective communications through email and even TDY. Okay. If someone wants to get in touch with you at the Sourcing Institute uh, to you know, talk about getting a scholarship, or you know, if, if if somebody wants to refer somebody, how do they go about doing that? They should go to the sourcingfoundation.org. And if they're, yeah, if they're interested in in um, volunteering, contributing, or if they know someone, or they want to apply for a scholarship, all of that is right there at the sourcing. It, it tells you how. The, yes. the, the, say it again. Sourcingfoundation.org. The Sourcing Foundation or just Sourcing Foundation? Just S-O-U-R-C-I-N-G, foundation.org. Foundation .org. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. .org. Okay, so now I'm going to move on to these top ten interview questions for sourcers. Here's what, you know, he's got 55 interview questions for sourcers. These ten, number one, how would you find resumes of Stanford University alumni who currently work at IBM using you're using Google to do it. Anybody want to answer that question? No. Uh, <laughs> you go into Google, you put in Stanford University and IBM. No? <laughs> Isn't that the first thing you do? No, I might not put in university. <laughs> I might just put in Stanford. That's going to yeah. get you some results, but you're going to get a lot of a lot of junk results. Okay, yeah. well. but once I you like start getting there. results, then you can figure out what you the more keywords, right? Well, there's many ways to solve it. You can use the site command, for example, to look at just Stanford.edu, and then within uh-huh. there look for um, documents that are resumes or CVs, and look for you know the the IBM keywords and maybe years of years of employment. So if someone was at IBM, you know, 2015 to 2000. 16 or whatever, you can use those as keywords. So there's a variety of ways you can solve it, but that's one of them. 
You know what? Am, am, am we giving away? If I ask you to give the answers, are, are we giving away secrets that you don't want to give out? I mean, that's, you just let let me know. There's multiple ways to answer them. So I think if you were to just copy off the show and, and give me the answer to the question, uh-huh. I'm pretty much gonna, you know, I could figure it out. There, there's a lot of creative ways to solve these. So there's no right or wrong answer. I just want to look at the process of how they're arriving at that. Uh huh. Okay. Detail. Detail. Two different scenarios when it would be necessary to use more than one search engine. So you're, you're searching on Google, you don't get anything, you go to Bing. Does that really make a difference? I have to tell you something, Shally. You taught me about a number of search engines, the times you've been on the show before, like that million short and DuckDuckGo. I've never noticed any difference. Is there? Million short and DuckDuckGo both use Google, but there is a huge difference between Bing and Google. So when, what kind of scenarios? You give me a scenario when it would be important to switch from one to the other. I use Bing for looking up people on LinkedIn because they have a deeper index. Um, so that's one, one scenario. Another Which scenario is better? Be, Can you say that one is better than the other? Everybody searches, uses Google, but is Bing actually LinkedIn better? Profiles, I would say Bing is better. Um, generally speaking, look at it as a volume versus quality, right? So Google has that their policy is to try to index as many pages as possible. Bing is interested more in looking deeper into the pages. So Google will only look at the first 250 lines of a page, where Bing will look at double that. So they're looking at 500 lines within a page. So usually Bing will have fewer results, but will bring up results when Google doesn't. Then how come everybody's making these extensions for uh, Chrome Rather than, yeah. You know, well, I guess Chrome. Chrome does will Chrome work on? It'll the, the extension will still work on a Bing search as well, right? It should, yeah. But Chrome is Google, so that's probably why. Yeah. Okay. So, can you give us an example of when you've had success with Bing that you didn't have with Google? Yeah, LinkedIn profiles. I, I will usually um, get, for example, like the name. When you go on uh, LinkedIn, if you ever run into a profile where it says. Uh, LinkedIn professional or it doesn't have their full name, yeah. then you can do a search for that person's um, subheading, which is the job title and location and all that. Use, use Bing for that, and you'll get the name. There's a takeaway. Hey, everybody, if you didn't know it, <laughs> there you go. Okay, you only had to listen half an hour, 40 minutes to get there. Okay, but what about LinkedIn? Uh, for a solo practitioner or a small a group of recruiters and sourcers. Uh, is there a special account that you, you know, not a corporate uh, team? Is there what what account would you recommend now for LinkedIn? I think you would just still use the the free account. Really? Really? You can yeah. you because you you mm-hmm. wrote a you wrote an article saying uh, that you were scared that LinkedIn was going to block Google searches. That hasn't happened then, right? It, it it did. Yep, it's gone. It's it's been so. How can, so you mean free searches inside, inside LinkedIn? Correct. Yeah, you would you would still have a LinkedIn account. You still need to have a LinkedIn account now, especially because you actually can't even see profiles unless you have a LinkedIn account. Yeah, but they're they're limiting. I remember Jerry was complaining a lot that he was getting you know blocked when he's hardly done any searches at all. Right, Jer? Still there? Correct. Yes. So, so why the, free? I mean, the searches are external. That? I search externally, and then when I find a profile I want to look at, that's when I click through and go into LinkedIn. So you're still searching on, when you say external, you're still searching on Bing? Uh, on Bing and Google, correct. 
But didn't you just say that's, that doesn't work anymore? <laughs> um, okay, so let me clarify. If you go to Google or Bing and you do a yeah. search using this site, colon, LinkedIn.com command, yeah. and you get a result, you will get yeah. results. The uh-huh. problem is that when you click on that page, you will not be able to see it because yeah, you won't they're see the going details. to do a redirect. Okay. It's now going to – it has a pop-up screen that says join LinkedIn. So if you uh-huh. don't have an account, you cannot see the profile. I still do the search externally, but you have to click through to go into the profile. The problem uh-huh. is if you click through to too many, you'll run into where Jerry ran into, which is the usage limits. Uh-huh. Okay. So, you, uh, so you're not going to recommend any any special purchase or anything like that. Just try free. Okay, that's your recommendation. Okay, so what yeah. about this? Uh, anybody here want to tell Shally the, what the difference uh, in, when you're doing a Boolean string between parentheses, you know, brackets, and quotation marks when using, you know, the search engine to make a, a search? Anybody want to tell them? Anybody want to offer that? No, Maureen doesn't know. Jerry doesn't know. Kathy Manis, you must know. Sorry, I'm, I was sending an invoice. Oh, okay, so are you bored, Jerry? You're bored? <laughs> Best part of the No, 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 no. Just, uh, I don't send Does these anybody want to tell us? Nobody what? else will do it, right, Jerry? Nobody, Nobody knows. Else. Nobody knows, so what Shally. Are you Shally. What are you asking, sorry? Oh, here he is, Michael Cox. If you're doing a Boolean search on Google or Bing, and, you know, some people, sometimes you're going to use brackets, the round parentheses, and sometimes you'll use quotation marks. What's the difference? Quotation marks, they search a phrase, the exact order, word order, and the exact words, right? Yes. What do the parentheses do? Not necessary. It's like uh, an or. What? Did I get it right? It's like it's not necessary. I don't think so. The quotation quotation marks put words together in phrases. So, for example, if you're looking for software engineer and you enclose it in quotation marks, you're asking Google to return pages that only have the word software and engineer adjacent to each other in that specific order. So software and engineer to the right. Mm. Parentheses indicate a grouping um, very much like in the the orders of mathematical operations. So if you have a software engineer or a software developer or an application developer, you enclose all three of those inside a parentheses to indicate that each one of those three is a viable alternative, as are two of them or even all three of them. Is that the uh-huh. little half smiley face thing? No, we're talking about the parentheses. What yes, it's a half smiley face without the eyes, Jerry. You all have right. to understand how Jerry talks, okay? Charlie, right. come on. Okay. Ah. Yes, the now, I, I'm I'm enjoying this. Does anybody else want to, you know, does anybody else want to keep up with these questions, or are they boring? No, they're they're good. I mean, uh, there's other things. Okay, like, so you got, you, the, you got the parentheses. Do you put commas between them or anything, or what? With the parentheses, you use yeah. the, the command or capital O capital R. Gotcha. So open parentheses apple or peach close parentheses. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How do you define the quality of the candidates you've submitted? a good question interview acceptance rates oh wait were you asking me yeah yeah the um the take rate the take rate from hiring managers so if you submitted 10 candidates to the hiring manager how many did they actually meet 
Okay, you know, I was reading a, a, a long posting by Amy Beth the other day, and she said, it might have been today, and she said there's two ways to measure a sorcerer. You can't do it by placements because um, because that's out of, you know, the, the sorcerer's hands. You do it by submittals and the quality of submittals and the number of offer decisions, right? So the number of people they bring in, I guess the quality of submittals, you just told us how to measure that by the yes. number that is accepted by the recruiter. But what if the recruiter says, no, uh, you know, there's a, it doesn't want your people, you're getting a very low score on quality of submittals. Maybe it's the recruiter's fault, not yours. They didn't give you the right uh, job description uh, or it's, you know, how do you know that that quality is not a, you, you, whether you're going to blame it on the sorcerer or the recruiter? So I'm talking about the the ratio of people the hiring manager sees versus people the hiring manager chooses to actually Okay, the, the hiring manager, I was saying Correct. recruiter. Now, Let's the say other the hiring manager, that, you, you, you submit 10 people, he sees one. Okay. Right. So that means that, as you said, there's a communication breakdown in the specs. So you're not looking for what the Can hiring manager Can I take issue wants. with that, though? With what? Submitting ten when you've only ever had one of them seen. Wouldn't, wouldn't you stop at three, animal? Maybe four. Uh, yeah. How do you get I to would, ten? Okay, That's a good question. I just threw out a number. Okay, Shally, exactly. when should you start getting exactly. worried? Three. When should you start getting worried? As soon as you've got two rejections or three rejections? Yes, typically I will send one at the very, very beginning as a calibration, and if they don't respond. If I send them one and say, hey, do you think this is a good fit for what we're looking for, and they don't respond, right then and there I start getting worried. If they do respond, then I'll send two more. Uh-huh. So I would say, yeah, a total of three before I, you know, then I'm just like wondering, okay, you haven't interviewed any of the people I sent you. I'm spending quite a bit of time phone screening them myself, so, you know, these are not just, you know, cold resumes. Um, so I would start getting worried at that point. Okay. I'm going to do an ad second ad hey hey everybody now another word from our sponsor pc recruiter everyone is claiming that text hey let me talk let me talk who's ever in the background there i gotta do the ad i'll get over with it okay 170 months is about where i assumed it would who's talking no (laughs) who is that kathy's the open mic kathy was it kathy okay they stopped okay (laughs) Okay, look, everybody, a word from our sponsor now, PC Recruiter. Everybody claims that text and social media, even Shally just did it, okay? Oh, texting's big, okay? Social media, I didn't give him a chance to say, oh, yeah, social media, yeah, it's great. Everybody's always talking about those things. But we know that email is still king or queen, whichever you choose. Even Shally just said the first thing he sends out is email. He's talking about getting on the phone and how great it is. But when it, the rubber hits the road and he has to confess, he sends out the email first, right? And PC Recruiter handles email the way you want it handled. It works with your mobile phone accounts, and it always shows you're connected, you're sent, and received email for every candidate and hiring authority. Yes, it does. So you go over to PCRecruiter.net 
and check them out. Or go onto YouTube and put in Two Minute Tuesday. They've got all these videos that give you little uh, exposures to how the software works. PCRecruiter.net, Two Minute Tuesdays. Thank you. I'm back to Shally. You know, there's been a bunch of people hanging up. And, but you know what? I, I think this is the best interview I did with you because I, I had a different idea of what I was looking for. And I don't care if other people aren't happy with it. I'm just happy that I got on the phone. Hey. Okay, Shally. <laughs> Shally, do you use Google Plus? Not very much. I tried nope. it and was on there for a while, and I honestly have been ignoring it for the last couple of years. Okay. What about your cold call? It seems very simple. Uh, based on what I've uh, heard in your uh, interview, it sounds like it just says something like, based on what I see of your online presence, it looks like you're someone who may be potentially interested in the position I'm working on. Is that, is that what you say in your email? Um, in the email, yes. That's right. Okay. Uh-huh. I've got a couple of different variations, but it's very straightforward. Do you you do a lot of customization? Do you look for the person's Twitter account and the blog? At least five points of personalization. What? I said I use at least five points of personalization. Like what? Give us an example. Tell us. Sure. So um, here's some some easy ones, right? You know, you've got their name. Obviously, that's one. Then location, that's another one. Company where they work at, that's three. You could do uh, from there, you could do title, that's four and just pick up something from their social media or LinkedIn profile or whatever that could you know, have anything to do with interests, and you've already got five. If you wanted to do more than that, you can do school. That sounds like two to me. That sounds like two. you got the Name, location, name. company, title, and interest is well, five. Well, how, well, what is location? Hi, uh, it's, I see that you live in, in New York. I mean, is, I yep. don't, I, who's, who starts out with that? No, you don't start out with that. Um, it's not, you're not, you're not putting all five of these up front. It's, you know, hey, Michael, I had, had a look at your profile. I noticed that you work at IBM as a software engineer. I'm trying to connect with some folks in the, you know, greater New York area or greater Detroit area or whatever. Oh, by the way, um, I, love the, I love your turtle hander name. It's uh, very reminiscent of Van Halen. Um, mm-hmm. If you have five minutes, would you like to, you know, discuss or blah, 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 whatever. I mean, yeah. it's not. And if they don't yeah. answer you, then you get on the phone and call them. Is that right? Correct. And what do you say in that phone call? Do you leave voicemail? Just send you a message. Would like to speak with you. Do you leave voicemail? Yeah, just just send you an email. Would like to talk to you. Here's my number. Uh huh. And, and that works. Yep. Oh, really? And what about the subject line in the email? What do you put in there? Flaming hot Cheetos or what? I don't usually <laughs> do any misdirection. Um, it's very typically just bold favor to ask, networking requests, would like to connect with you, those kinds of things. Uh, yeah, so there's nothing really inter- in- indicating that it's a recruiting uh, email, right? They very much know because they can read between the lines, but I'm not saying the word recruiter. Uh-huh, okay. Or what, about getting, what about getting referrals? Again, you, you uh, seem, this is what I heard in your interview, I'd like to talk to you about a potential opportunity, and if it's not a fit for you, maybe you know somebody else. Do you put that in the email? Yes. Sometimes, uh-huh. is there, depending is on the, the source. If they come from uh-huh. LinkedIn, yes, or a job board. But if it's a very, very cold lead, like something I sourced from a website, I'll usually leave that out of the first email. Okay, so you don't ask for uh, referrals on the first email contact, right? When it's a when it's a really cold lead, no. When it's a you know LinkedIn or job board lead, then I'll say, you know, this is not something that interests you. Perhaps you might know someone. That kind of thing. 
Uh-huh. And do you ever get replies, referrals, actual referrals yeah. from something like that? I get them a lot. I get them a lot. I, I get a why? lot. Of, why? Why? Do they know who you are? Because available. Like, no, they just say, hey, thanks, but I'm not available right now. I just started a new job. I may know somebody. Can you send me the rec? And I'll send them the, you know, the, the description. That's the kind of response that I'll get. Okay. You know, Shally, what about people always saying that this voicemail, nobody uses it anymore, especially like Kathy said, the younger people are different. They claim they don't use it. Is that not true? I I think it's there's definitely truth in that. Um, honestly, I haven't checked my hardline voicemail in, in weeks. I still do have you get one, call? I, Do other people check them? Do you get callbacks from the messages you leave? What I usually do when it's a mobile phone, not like a business line, and, you know, it's a hi, this is Shally kind of outgoing message. After I leave the message, I send them a text message right uh-huh. immediately after that. And the text message says, you know, hey, just called you. I left a message. Please call me back. Okay. Okay. Then they do now, check their voicemail. <laughs> Uh-huh. What, what about this? You, it sounds like you've got a resentment to, against somebody. You don't like it with these some bosses bring in people because of their expertise, and then they tell them what to do. And I have a feeling you were referring to yourself. Uh, do you, is, that, is that yourself you're referring to? No, 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 no. Um, not myself. It's not a personal uh, pet peeve. It's just if you are hiring someone that has expertise in an area – and they, you know, they start working for you, and then you start changing the way they do things to make them do things the way you want them to do them, then, you know, you might as well have hired someone that did not have the expertise. It's kind of like, you know, you're, you're, you're hiring a doctor and then tell him the doctor what they should diagnose you with. Do you have, do you have a story without mentioning any names of when that happens? Uh, I think it happens a lot. We just don't talk about it very okay, often so, so it happens for some reason for some reason you mentioned it you went out of your way to mention it to this interviewer but you don't have any specific experience that you can bring to mind that caused you to say that isn't that a mystery okay if you don't want to tell me that's fine with me okay i'll just keep moving on what would you say if you got hired as a sourcer and then the hiring manager or the recruiting manager started telling you how he or she wanted you to do the searches what would you say? Buzz off? What you hire me for? Um, not in that language, but I would definitely object to that because uh, if I was being brought in due to my experience. Yeah, we know why, but what would you do, say? How would, I would you say handle the I've interaction? I've tried that in the past and it hasn't How worked. How would you if handle I'm, the interaction? Correct. So if I've tried it in the past and it hasn't worked, I'll say I've tried that and it has, in my experience it hasn't worked. I'm willing to try it again, but I don't expect to get a lot of results. I would say, in my experience, this works better. But if it's something I've never tried, then I would I would try it just to, you know, I mean, I would try it to be open-minded. Yeah, okay, fine. And, uh, but, you know, some of these people, you've got to work hard to get them off your back. And I'm just wondering if you would go to the wall on that. Now, I know a person like you. Which is why I wrote that, because I have seen that, where where people were hired because they had an expertise in an area, and then they were pigeonholed into something that wasn't really their, their bailiwick. Now they're in an uncomfortable situation. What do they do? You don't know. Okay. Let me move on. Last question. Time's Everybody up. Everybody handles uh-huh. that differently, animal. I mean, what can yeah, I tell okay. you? Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Shally, uh, you seem to be uh, a superstar, okay? In my, you're always going to be a superstar to me. And I heard your story about, you know, you've been in sourcing for 20 years. You and your wife have started a number of businesses. How come you didn't just become a big 
biller in a third-party agency or your own agency, I believe you could bill $500,000 a year. Uh, maybe you think it doesn't suit you, okay? That's what I want you to tell me. I, you know what? I don't think I'd make $500,000 a year. I, I need a steady corporate uh, income. I have a family, okay? Is that the reason? How come you're not a third-party big biller? Very good question. I was, and I was a million-dollar biller. In fact, I had qualified for the Pinnacle Society. Um, uh-huh. It was a matter of I, I wanted to go into business for myself, and I saw an opportunity in this space that, you know, to, to do this for a living and, and make more money. So ultimately, I would be able to um, more than triple my income by having my own business instead of just, you know, basically being a biller for someone else. Hmm. Okay, well, you could have started your own third-party business, but I won't press you on that. Final message, at Shally, at S-H-A-L-L-Y. I actually met Shally last year. I saw him come out of the airport, uh, the arrivals, and I knew it was Shally just from his picture. Maureen, I couldn't find. I had to sit with Shally waiting for an hour to find her because she didn't know where to wait like a normal person. Anyway, uh, Shally, is there any final message that you – The let's get all your websites. Uh, what are your websites? Yes, this, I'd love for people to go to the Sourcing Foundation, sourcingfoundation.org, and yeah. contribute, donate, um, let us know if there's someone we can help, someone that we can you know, educate, someone that needs uh, assistance, and if you want to volunteer. So that, that's my big call to action there. If, if you go there, I'll be happy. SourcingFoundation.org. Maureen Sherub, thank you very much for bringing Shally, Jerry, Michael J. Cox, Kathy Manich, and Shally Sackle, thank you! Ah!